Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today I'm going to be chatting to Tom Hooper and he's been working in EdTech for nearly 12 years and he's the founder of Third Space Learning which was launched back in 2013 and it has the goal of making one-to-one tuition accessible to children in need. Over three quarters of English primary schools have signed up to the Third Space platform and the company has delivered over 800,000 hours of teaching to nearly 70,000 pupils of whom 55% are from disadvantaged backgrounds, positioning Third Space Learning as the largest provider of tutoring to UK schools. Just before we get chatting with Tom, I'd like to thank the National Association for Primary Education for their continual support of the Education on Fire podcast. They are giving away a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, which you can get by going to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk slash journal. This is my conversation with Tom Hooper from Third Space Learning. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Why don't we start with where your passion for maths came and, and how that got you to be part of the Third Space Learning? Um, thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me on here. It's, it's very kind of you. Um, my passion for maths, I, <laughs> I think it was probably the realisation that as much as I thought I was very good at maths, I, I actually possibly wasn't quite as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, uh, and with that, the the knowledge that it's it's a difficult but critical subject um you know i'm not it, i'm not a math teacher by background um i've been involved in education technology for 12 years um i founded a company called brightspark in 2009 which i sold to tez in 2012 um which was similar to third space and then i, I set up third space in 2013 um and the primary motivation beyond maths was much more about closing the attainment gap. Um, so how can we make one-to-one tuition accessible to children in need? Um, and within that, the knowledge that maths is such an important factor um, in terms of social and economic development. Um, and there's all kinds of numeracy studies that back this up in terms of good numeracy helps children progress and close that attainment gap. Um, and poor numeracy sadly has the same uh, but negative consequence. Uh, and indeed, um, there was a report in TES, I think three or four weeks ago, that suggested that the subject that um, has had the worst impact, i.e. the kind of where the attainment gap is widening, sadly again, is actually maths. Um, so I think for me and for us at Third Space, it's very much about working with teachers to close the attainment gap, of which maths is such a, a critical subject. And I think for me, certainly having read lots of the things on your website, it's that sense of in a class of 30, it's really difficult sometimes if you're really needing that specialist help and that one-to-one help to get that, I guess, continually enough, because you might have that one-to-one to support to begin with and you sort of start to get an idea of what's going on but it's that continual um, support and ongoing tuition and, and I guess relationship with the person you're working for which is probably the most important factor. Yeah absolutely I mean I think um, as much as school was a lot longer ago for me than I care to remember um, 
I think we do all recall that moment of, of sitting in a maths class and you might switch off for a moment and you, you kind of miss a key sequence in that development and, and you lose your confidence and you lose your, you know, you, you lose a key building block in that concept or topic. Um, and for a lot of children, there's something called maths anxiety, which is a very well kind of researched phenomenon now where they feel a, a genuine anxiousness in regards maths. And I, I remember tutoring children maths and and you would ask them about can you do x or y you know whatever it might be um and they couldn't sort of engage with that there was a, a huge lack of confidence so i think that's where tutoring can be very valuable um tutoring traditionally has been something that parents employ often um parents at the wealthier end of the scale um which is something that probably doesn't help in terms of that attainment gap I think what we did with Third Space was we approached this very much, well, not very much, entirely um, from the point of view of, of schools. Like, how do you work with teachers such that they can deploy tuition to target children in a way that supports their classroom strategies, that helps close gaps as they rise in class, um, and is very easy and accurate for teachers to, to use? Um, because only if we do that can we reach those children that the teachers are, are looking after um you know we measured in terms of the percentage of pupils who are eligible for free school meals so circa 55 percent of the 70,000 pupils we've worked with in english primary schools are eligible for free school meals um and teachers are incredibly busy you know they can't organize 20 tutors and then direct them about how to do it and how to report it. that's ridiculous so you have to build systems and kind of a product experience that recognizes the reality of how teachers and schools work and is built with them as the central customer and the pupil as a, as um, as kind of a, a, I was going to say an output sounds a little bit inhuman but um, you know that falls under the the leadership of of the teacher within class and and tell us sort of practically how that that can often work because I guess as soon as you think tutor you do think outside of school and even if you realize you're working with schools it might be that you're doing something sort of in the evening rather than during the day so tell us tell us practically how how that works of course of course um so the way the kind of our relationship often starts with schools is we will initially have contact with the senior leadership team who might be thinking we have you know on average let's call it 20 pupils who are our target pupils who are at risk of not meeting expectations or are falling behind. Um, they will then buy termly one-to-one programs for those pupils. Um, so that means a weekly one-to-one session online uh, with each student having their own tutor. So if there's 20 students, there's 20 tutors. Uh, that gets booked into the school timetable. So it's um, very... It, it, you know, it's part of that learning they get. You know, they do it in the in the IT lab. It's um, a key part of their intervention strategy. What then happens is the class teacher will create a profile for each child. They will pick the strand of learning. Um, so that will either map to what the child is doing in class that term, or it could map to what they were doing last term. Um, the child then sits a diagnostic assessment on the third space learning platform to identify learning gaps from that strand of learning and it creates a personalized learning journey throughout that term 
So each week that child will cover um, content from our curriculum, um, which is about 550 lessons in it. Um, so it's very structured, it's very transparent, it's very consistent, it's all based on the national curriculum. Um, and then we will we create reports that help to help the teacher to track the progress of that child and help to inform what's coming next so it can feed back into class teaching strategies. So very personalized to the child, very um, easy for teachers to direct um, and very kind of affordable and efficient for SLT to deploy across the school for their target pupils. And it's something which has come up quite a lot recently, the whole concept of personalised learning. And it is when pupils need extra support that this personalised learning comes in. Um, but it's certainly something I'd, I'd be advocating across the board, no, no matter where you are on, on the academic um, um, scale of anything. But I think that sort of not just having an extra pair of hands to support the teacher, but a proper personalised learning of how that comes together is is um, is really is really important. The the well, I think the the kind of two domains that the third space learning brings together very effectively is the the digital, by which I mean personalised learning, um, assessment, analytics, uh, content reporting. Um, which is is fairly common now in learning. You know, a lot of edtech pulls a lot of strands from that, um, but combining that with the human, which is the value of one to one. So by understanding what that child needs to learn, and personalising content for that child to learn, can we then also personalise the one to one interaction, which is so important for that child, thereby bringing the best of of human and digital together. Um, and for the types of pupils that we work with, um, and you know, this refers back to what we're ta talking about in regards to maths anxiety, the the human is so important because it's, and this is a lot of the training that our tutors go. So all of our tutors go through three week full-time uh, training program, 135 hours of training before they even deliver their first session. And a lot of that is about growth mindset. It's about how to ask good questions about to solicit good questions about how to engage that child about how to build rapport to break down those barriers to help them access the concept and then hopefully go back to class feeling more confident and more engaged about whatever the, the gap is that that has um, been diagnosed and and how do the schools feel about that kind of personalised one-on-one on essence within the school and safeguarding and all that and I'm sure you have sort of all the protocols and everything set up but I guess like you said they're, they're in a computer lab or, or they're in their computer room or whatever that is I guess there's there's always going to be another member of staff in that around but do they find that that causes a problem having someone else there or, or is it very much one-on-one -on -one with them with them themselves with the computer how, how have you sort of found that generally speaking? So, so I suppose that there's a number of different parts to this I, I think first you're right you know we've We've been doing this since 2013 now, so we've worked with well over 2,000 schools. We're in every local authority in the country. Um, so from our point of view, we've, we've built all the safeguarding protocols from kind of bottom up working with um, you know, leaders across the education field. You know, we were recently confirmed or approved as a partner on the NTP, which has kind of rigorous safeguarding tests. So you know, this has been built with online safeguarding at its heart for schools. Um, 
The other part that I'll say, secondly, then, is is the online delivery actually allows for very strong safeguarding. So, um, you know, you can control who has access to what data. So, student, sorry, tutors have no access to people data. We record every session. It's logged for performance and safeguarding management. You know, every tutor has their background checks. Um, every tutor is referenced. It, it's it's very very well structured in terms of how we build in those protocols to the system itself. Um, third, all tutoring happens within the school environment. So as you say, there is a teacher or teaching assistant who is overseeing the live delivery of the tutoring at that end. Um, so it's it's a very well structured tutor center to, to school environment that we, we manage online. In regards to how the pupils actually receive that, um, the consistent feedback we get from schools and, and you know we've delivered over 800,000 hours of teaching now into primary schools is that this is very this being third space learning is very effective at building confidence for those pupils who are struggling to engage with maths and confidence being the precursor to engagement and then building their you know seeing their attainment improve um, so the one-to-one -one, uh, interaction and the ability to really um, bring maths to life um, for those children is has been proven to be very effective for us. And I think this is where I get excited about the way education is going forward because there are many people who would like to wave a magic wand and the whole thing look very different but of course that's just not practical in any shape or form and I think it's this amalgamation of of schools being in the system that they are with the, the responsibilities and, and the guidelines and the frameworks and the curriculum and everything that they have to do. But then, like you say, people like yourselves been able to come in and support in a way that schools aren't able to do because of time, because of other pressures. And I think this sort of marriage of, of, of education, I think, is actually going to become more and more um, normal, I guess, as time goes on across all all aspects of, of what we're going to be studying, and um, so I'd be really interested to sort of hear how you sort of your your understanding of that works from other people that you might work with within the field. I mean, I've I've so I've been in in this sector, um, education technology sector, since two thousand and nine, and you often hear um, more so at conferences, i.e. technology conferences, than any in any school or local authority or teach forum, you'll hear this sort of um, calls for a, an education technology revolution, which I think is often utterly ridiculous. Um, I think what, I think technology, yes, it can have a play a really important role, but as you quite rightly say, it's in partnership. Um, and, and its success can only ever come from understanding the real needs, uh, vocabulary, rhythm, like day-to-day -day life of teachers who do an incredible job, and particularly now, you know, do an amazing job in the class, and the pressures they're under is is hard to fathom. Being um, quite honest with you, um, and so, and I think that's what we've done very effectively with Third Space of. You know, because there were not there were not teachers who were thinking back in two thousand and thirteen. I wish we had online tutors for our children, um, but they were thinking, um, how can we deliver a, you know affordable interventions for those target pupils? How can we fit that within the incredibly busy schedules that we already run as teachers? How do we make sure that it's targeting learning gaps based on shared data? How do we manage reporting? 
um, you know, all, all of these things, which are that's the reality of their day to day life. And I think the the um, responsibility of companies or for companies such as Third Space Learning is to develop, uh, to innovate within that reality and not for some kind of, you know, aspired different reality that I think some education technology companies um, can operate in. And I think when you start with the child, when you start with the personal, when you start with the one-on-one relationship, and I guess that starts with the senior leadership team as well as with the actual pupils and everything themselves, it starts off as a relationship and, and that's where all great things come from and then you're able to support them in whatever that happens to be. Like I say, whether it's the senior leadership team, whether it's the pupil, whether it's the your own team that you've obviously managed to galvanise in order to, to affect so many schools. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, for us, we we will tend to work with schools for for years. Um, You know, they'll rotate different pupils through each term. So we're much more of an intervention strategy that that schools can deploy based on that kind of consistently arising need of, of which pupils need that that support to help catch up. And how can that be a part of the kind of the school's wider intervention strategy? Um, and as you say, that that is all about relationships, about um, establishing that relationship with SLT. Um, what is their need? What is the? Um, how can our solution be a part of their bigger strategy? Um, it's trying to deliver really good customer experience. So when we work with lead teacher, teaching assistants, the IT leads, how can we make it um, as seamless as possible? Which is you know it's challenging. You know it's it's it's, it's difficult to deliver um, online live teaching within schools within school firewalls within school you know hardware and infrastructure Um, but we work incredibly hard to make that as good as possible and to be as open and available as possible for schools Um, and then of course we invest a huge amount in tutor recruitment training and development Um, because ultimately it's that tutor the, the experience the tutor delivers to the student that is the most important and, and you know that then feeds back up through teacher to SLT to hopefully prove that that our solution can be can kind of achieve the goals that they have um, to help raise attainment for those target pupils. Yeah, I just thought about half a dozen questions that came to me all all at once there, but I'll try and feed them through one at a time to to make it easy. Um, So let's talk with um, your tutor recruitment. How does that work? Where do you you find people? Do they come to you? Was it a combination of both? So we've developed quite a unique model. So we have a global tutor recruitment model. Um, And if you you start with what was our goal as a business? So our goal as a business was to make one-to-one tutoring accessible to to children in need. Um, So that means it had to be high quality, highly scalable um, and affordable. Um, And there's a, you know, I think it's widely reported year in, year out, there's a STEM skills crisis challenge in this country. Um, And, you know, there's a big tutoring market, often for those children uh, who are kind of further up the, the kind of the wealth spectrum. Um, so that was our that was our starting point. How do we achieve that? Um, and the way we've done that is by establishing academic centres in Sri Lanka. So we have three: one in Sri Lanka, two in India, where there's a large population of STEM graduates that we can recruit, train, and develop to become full-time online maths tutors that deliver 
specialist one-to-one -one math tutoring to children in schools across the UK. Um, and I think from from our customers, I, our school's perspective, the of course it's good that we can deliver much more affordable one-to-one. -one. That that's a good thing, but the primary consideration, um, kind of above and beyond that, is the user experience and the outcomes that we can deliver, which is ultimately what they they need. So, the the solution of, of global, a global tutor community uh, currently built out of Sri Lanka and India was predicated on the um, problem that we we're trying to solve, i.e. working with schools to close the attainment gap and building a one-to-one -one experience that teachers could direct and deploy for those pupils with the greatest need. And it's obviously very primary and UK focused at the moment. Do you have any plans to expand it further around the world? Yeah, so we, um, we're actually going to launch a secondary product. So we're going to start with GCSE um, grade five in, well, next year. So hopefully early 2021, which will be good. So we're already, we're working on product development there. We're working with a number of schools um, and colleges there to help us learn about how to do that, um, which will be exciting. We are also looking at the US. So we've actually launched in partnership um, a product in the US for US high school students. So that's very early days, but um, certainly the feedback we're getting there is that the, unsurprisingly, um, the need is very, very similar. So there's, you know, you look at the attainment gap, um, you look at the need to try and support teachers within the school environment, um, you look at local or kind of local states and federal funding there, um, district funding as well to try and bring more support in around teachers to close that attainment gap. It, it's a similar story to what we've known in the UK since 2013. Um, so we think kind of probably more like 2022, that's going to be you know an even bigger focus for us. Um, but undoubtedly, if you look at the, sadly, the problem that we're solving that we've, we've um, really demonstrated our impact for in the UK, um, that problem is a global problem. Um, and if you look at the solution we've built, i.e. Um, recruiting talent with a global perspective um, to deliver high quality, low cost, um, but highly scalable one-to-one -one tuition. Um, yeah, you know, in the, in the long term, we absolutely want to expand beyond the UK. Um, but yeah. first and foremost, let's do the best possible job we can here. Yeah, sounds very exciting. And I, and I think, like you say, when you've got this foundation in place, then, you know, like you say, the world is your oyster, literally, and, and that can only be of benefit to so many pupils and students around the world. So I think it's absolutely brilliant. My other questions were related. I don't want to go into COVID too much, but I guess so many more pupils, staff, schools have just embraced the whole online world in a way that wouldn't have even been conceivable just sort of a few months ago. So how has that impacted, I guess, both in terms of the perception of people who, who want to be more involved in this kind of way, um, but also in terms of the fact, I guess, some pupils that you would have been teaching through the summer were at home and was that still possible or were they more likely to have been in school um, and so it could carry on in a bit more of a traditional way? Yeah, so I suppose we saw this. So in March, when they closed schools, um, we were able to keep delivering all of our tuition at home. Right? So so some schools used it in the school environment where they had key worker children in there. Um, but many schools um, 
set their children up at home. Of course, being on online, it can be at school, it can be home, it can be wherever wherever you have internet access. Um, that said, one thing we did see, which has been um, widely reported in the press, um, is that there's not just a kind of attainment gap, a social attainment gap that we see in school, but there's a digital attainment gap. So for children from poorer backgrounds, they didn't have um, they didn't have internet connection. They didn't have computers. You know the, the stuff that that you and I take for granted. That um, you know a lot of children when they're doing their Zoom calls or they, you know whatever whatever um, uh, technology they were using, they may have complained about. There was a huge group of children that just didn't have anything. You know they might have been trying to use their 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 you know a single phone um, with four G access between three children. Um, and given that that's the, you know, everything we do is about, as I said, sorry, I keep coming back to the closing the attainment gap, 55% of our pupils are on free school meals. We really saw that. Like we saw that, that there was a, um, a, you know, a frustratingly large number of children who couldn't access it at home because they didn't have the equipment. Um, and that's awful. Like if, 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 if online learning is going to become for better or for worse in like in lockdown periods or just you know for the benefit of the future is going to become um an essential part of educational progress which i really hope it can be we've got to close that digital attainment gap um, and i know the government's been trying to get all these computers out there but it's it's you know to to try and solve this is a far it's going to require a hell of a lot more than that um, and we, you know, we witnessed this firsthand and we, we kind of wrote to the um, all parliamentary group on who were looking for evidence on um, kind of what education technology companies saw during lockdown to outline some of the facts and figures that, that we experienced. Um, you know, we were supporting, I think it was about six and a half thousand pupils every week, you know, that's six and a half thousand hours of, of teaching every week. So we had a, a, a pretty good insight into the impact of this. Um, and you know it's 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 something we need to try and solve i agree and i think what this recent situation has given us is a real insight into into what that looks like for people and i think there's an opportunity here whether it's a combination of government private companies technology companies people working within education to to come together in some form or another to be able to work this out and and I think it it's an exciting thing to be able to do and I think because the the spotlight's been shined on it so brightly in these last last few weeks and months uh, hopefully they'll that there'll be a step forward in some way or another and it's the and I the irony of course is that the innovation is going to come from the people that are being supported by STEM that are interested in STEM that are trying to put these things together for the next generation and 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 of course that sort of circle therefore just keeps needed to spinning because that's what we Want. we want people to be able to create this out of the box by thinking of new things and having the skills to put it together yeah yeah and i i, I agree I, I think a sort of a, a wider point on the impact of covid is that it's, it's tended to hasten either the acceleration or decline of um of trends that we were seeing beforehand so you know i think in in some ways it's no surprise that we're seeing like online learning and kind of education technology accelerate in terms of its its take up but i think it's also really as you say it's highlighted areas where actually there were kind of fundamental flaws within that hypothesis so um you know either in teacher training of how to use some of this um these technologies uh, in how these technologies were being pitched to schools which i think sometimes there was 
um, left a lot um, to answer for, you know. And and then thirdly and, and critically, as I was just saying, in terms of the the digital attainment gap, um, that has to be solved if these trends, if if the benefits of these trends are, are to hold true, um, because they should always first and foremost be um, sense checked and tested about are they helping those children with the greatest need. All policies must be viewed through that prism before they can be seen as, as credible, in my opinion. And I'm always interested in hearing about people who are working with the, within ed- education about their own personal experience and whether there's a teacher, there's a situation or something valuable about your ex- your experience which you were able to bring into your company, you know, being able to sort of create something from scratch. You know, is was there some particular thing that sticks in your mind that you think that was that was something which I wanted to hang on to and, and make sure it was part of what I was able to produce no, I mean I would love to say there was um, I, I think with hindsight I knit some of these things together I um, I remember being tutored I tried to make money tutoring and realized I was really bad at it and it was really really difficult um, I did a lot of online learning before, so I actually worked in, in investment before I set up my first EdTech company, which was BrightSpark, um, and I did a lot of online learning um, and online exams within that, um, and saw some of the benefits of that and equally some of the limitations of it. Um, I traveled a lot in India um, over years and years, and I, you know, I knew the country well. I knew their love of education, their love of maths, um, their love of teaching, um, and I think Subtly, these things came together. Um, you know, I have a lot of teachers within my family, um, my sister, cousins, aunts. Um, you know, conversations you have over years start to come suddenly crystallize, and and you think, wow, this, why aren't we doing this? You know, there's all these people over here, highly educated, passionate about education, and there's these people here who who can't access the help they need, and and you know, very simply kind of when they started to come together can we bring can we bring that supply and that demand that need together and can we do it in a way that through technology will allow the teacher to be the beating heart the teacher to be the customer that can direct that such that it it reinforces their class teaching strategies um such that it delivers the best progress for those children such that it works as a part of the overall school intervention strategy. Um, all stuff that there's tons of research on, but you know, to my mind, it's common sense, really. Um, yeah. So sort of, it, it's a number of strands that loosely came together to, to where we are today. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, think, I think these things are really important because especially as you're younger, sort of either whether you're still going through school or as you're sort of starting out in your career, it's one of those things that you can only do the next thing or you can only have that thought now or you can only do that and you're absolutely right as we all get old and we look back we see how all these things sort of tied together and sort of formed our path but you do have to recognize them I think and I think it's really interesting just to hear different people's take on that and their different experiences because then I think people listening can start to just hear oh yeah I recognize I remember that particular person or this situation or that experience that I had which wasn't even necessarily something you were trying to do it just happened to be part of your life which suddenly just opens a door, gives you an insight into something. And I think just being aware that life works a lot more like that than you think, than just the question of going from school to university to this, to that, to job or whatever, I think is, is, a, is a key factor. Yeah, I, well, I, I support that. I agree. <laughs> um, 
And what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And do you remember who gave it to you? I, I think, so to pick up on the point you just made before this, that I think the best piece of advice, um, and, and I say this actually, I'll say it more specifically to uh, kind of startup world and, and building a business. And this is advice I've received um, from uh, teammates, investors, from myself realizing mistakes I've made. Um, and this is kind of paraphrase a point. Um, always make sure that, that what you're doing kind of comes from the self. Um, I think undoubtedly the mistakes I've made in, in business um, and probably the same is true personally is when you're trying to do something based on what you think someone else wants you to do um, which is never a good situation to be in I think it, you know being able to speak from the heart uh, better to be wrong on that basis um, than trying to say what you think someone else wants you to do Absolutely, I think that's that's really well put, and um, and and I love the fact that so often we end up in this kind of conversation here on the podcast, even when we're starting with interventions in maths and all that kind of thing. It, it it's I guess it's what we did start with, which is the one-on-one personalized learning, and that comes in in so many so many different factors. So let's just finish off with: Is there a resource which has had a big impact on your life? And it can be a song, it could be a video, it could be a book, could it? a bit of learning you did just something which you just always think back and go yeah that's something which has really helped me out family probably i'm i'm i come from i'm i've got two parents <laughs> that's that's no <laughs> surprise um my parents and my brother and sister are all um they're all entrepreneurs um so i grew up in a house of entrepreneurs um and that experience both explicit and implicit of um you know, the highs and lows of that has stood me in very good stead. Um, and just over the years, talking through that, understanding that more recently and more explicitly talking through the highs and lows of building third space has been uh, kind of an incredible resource to your question for me to pull on. Um, of course, there's other resources. I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts for what it's worth. I try and listen to an education podcast every day to try and keep me up to date on what's happening. Um, but, but you know, if I think of the long term, um, family and um, the conversations I've been able to have with them um, to help fall back on um, either test my thinking in good times or fall back on in hard times. Yeah, I love that. What a what a great way to finish off. So, um, well, Tom, thank you so much for. For, for sharing all those insights and understanding and well as we know you're, you're helping thousands and thousands of people um, already around the UK but for those people listening who, who want to find out more and, and get involved tell them where they can go and find out so please go to thirdspacelearning.com um, where you can find out everything there is to know about us um, if you are a primary school leader or indeed a secondary school leader um, book a demo and we will take you through everything we do and how we do it and so on and so forth um, and you can follow us on um, at third space tweet or I think facebook.com forward slash third space learning fantastic and we'll have links to all of these things on the show notes of this podcast so if you're in not if you're not sure where to go or where that is if you go to educationonfire.com and then in the search bar just put third space learning all of that information will pop up so tom thank you so much for for sharing all of this as i said but also i think more importantly it's always lovely to hear 
the voice and the philosophy and the understanding behind the people who set these things up and I think that really gives it that human one-to-one feeling which um like I said is, is the bedrock of really of what you're doing and, and thanks very much for being here sharing that oh, Mark you're kind thank you for inviting me Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.